Welcome to Talk is Jericho is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And we are ending off the year by getting our rock and roll on today with a great comeback story, a feel-good story about a heavy metal band that kind of slipped through the cracks. Uh, I did a documentary on this band. The band is called Siren. They're from Brandon, Florida. They got started in the early 80s. Uh, they broke up a few years later due to chicanery, uh, as usually happens between some bands. Uh, but through some incredible twists of fate, they got an offer to play a huge festival in Germany 30 years later where they had a huge fan base that they did not know about. And they found themselves on stage uh, playing at the Keep It True Festival, like I said, 30 years later. Uh, dreams never die. It's an incredible story. And we captured it all for the new documentary, I'm Too Old for This Shit, a heavy metal fairy tale. Uh, I produced it, and Nathan Mowry, who directed... The Judas video, Burn Me Out, Nowhere to Run, Painless, uh, directed this documentary as well. I produced it, like I said. I sent Nathan to Germany with Siren to capture all the footage from their trip to play the Keep It True Festival in 2018. Because like I said, either uh, when I heard about this, I thought it's either going to be a complete disaster or it's going to be one of the best feel-good stories you could ever see. And it was one of the best feel-good stories you can see. And the documentary is finally done. I'm too old for this shit. And you can pre-order it now on iTunes. And if you wait from January 1st to the 3rd, it's going to be uh, on sale for $6.99 on iTunes. You're not going to want to miss this documentary. Eli Roth said it's one of the best documentaries he's seen in a long time. Charlie Benanti loved it. Uh, Mike Portnoy loved it. So check out this documentary. Pre-order it now. It actually is released on January 5th. And like I said, uh, it's $12.99 currently if you wait until January 1st. For the second and the third, it will be $6.99, and you get a chance to see this uh, amazing piece of filmmaking. I'm very proud of it. My first documentary that I've produced. So to give you a little background of it and to kind of uh, get you psyched up for the documentary, I got a good friend, Ed Aborn, the drummer of Siren, and he actually appeared on our Halloween uh, episode, giving his favorite Halloween movies. Uh, singer Doug Lee and guitar player Todd Grubbs are here to share the amazing story about dreams coming true unexpectedly and to talk about the making of the documentary, Siren's Newfound Future as well. A little inspiration for the new year, ending it off on a good note, Lord knows we need it, and a reminder to never give up on your dreams, because things can always, always happen to you in a good way. So, Siren on Talk is Jericho, starting now. So, after uh, many years, I guess now, of editing and filming and uh, deal-making... We finally have the release of I'm Too Old for This Shit, the heavy metal fairy tale of Siren. And we're here with uh, with Ed Aborn and Todd Grubbs and Doug Lee, who are all from Siren, and they're all going to be big-time movie stars now that the documentary is out. Um, That's right. How does it feel to actually have it up and, and ready and, and, and there for people to watch? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, like, like you mentioned, it's been a couple years since we had this amazing experience to come back together. And uh, it's it's phenomenal that it's real now. It's actually going to be a thing that people can see and check out. I mean, we lived it, but now people can live it with us. It's exciting because it's probably one of the bigger things that I've ever been involved in. I think it's going to be pretty big. I think I'm going to be a big star real soon. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got your chance. Right. I think it's absolutely the biggest thing we've ever been involved in. Yeah. And it is exciting. It's cool to me because, I mean, just to kind of tell the backstory, I've known Ed for better part of 20 years if not a little bit longer and we've recorded songs at your place recorded fozzy vocals at your house uh like i said watched movies been to concerts and i knew that you were in a band but 
we were all in bands when we were kids. Right. You know, my my band was Scimitar. You're, you know, you see the siren picture up on the wall, and I never realized kind of the full story behind it. And that's why when this thing started coming to fruition, I couldn't believe it at first. Because I was like, what? Like, your band actually has some steam? So talk a little bit about what's, uh, how Siren started back in the day before we get into this whole fantastic story, which which I, as soon as I heard it, decided needed to be on on celluloid, shall we say. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, as you mentioned, you know, we all had our bands back in the day, and um, mine and Doug's was Siren. And we started in 1981, I believe, is when it, it first kicked up. And did the usual band thing, warehouses, you know, houses, rehearsal spaces. But let me just interject, too. This is in Brandon, Florida, which at one point in time was kind of, as Nasty Ronnie says in the movie, the heavy metal capital of the world. I wouldn't go that far, but, like, there was a lot of bands that came out of that scene in Brandon to the point where I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mm -hmm. And one of the towns close to Winnipeg is called Brandon. So I was like, oh, Brandon, Manitoba, Brandon, Florida. So I knew Nasty Savage. I knew about Obituary and Dark Angel and, you know, all the bands that came from that area. So it was a really big scene at the time. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a really exciting time in general for metal because everything was young. We had lots of bands coming in. It was great to go to an old record store and discover bands. And, you know, we had the dream. We had the dream to try to be one of those bands, you know, that we that we liked. So we went down the typical path of uh, rehearsing, mostly playing covers, lots of lots of covers from our influences, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, except, you know, the, all those guys. And then started to dabble in originals. And our first single, Metro Mercenary, we did in uh, 1984. That was our demo. And we decided to, you know, go the big time way. And rather than doing a cassette, which was the norm of the time, we said, we're going to do vinyl. Even though, you know, we've got no label, we're just us, we're going to put out a single. So we put out a two-song single. How did you do that, putting it on vinyl? I don't know. We just wanted to go big. We wanted to do something that, that nobody else was doing. And everybody else had the cassette. So we thought we'd go with the vinyl and... But it's easy to put it on a cassette. I'm saying, did you take it to a, a record plant or something? Yeah, or? actually, we had to send it out and get it pressed, and yeah. then they sent back the the lead acetate, you know, oh, which was cool. on a full size disc, which was exciting. It was, it was amazing to see. Sure. to see that. Yeah, even to this day, just to actually see yeah. something on vinyl is so much more like real than a, it's, it's streaming on iTunes or right. you know oh, yeah. to, to hold that vinyl in your hand. It always has some some weight to it. Yeah, because this was our first time in the studio, and we went into you know an eight track studio. Yes, that's eight. Full tracks to capture our the magnificence. You got to you got to split sound. it like the Beatles did to get to sixty four. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we we recorded the songs and you know in this little little studio GDM Studios, and then I remember it was just really exciting. Uh, a couple months later, when those records came back from the plant, and we sat in your living room, Doug, and assembled them. We you know had to paper inserts that we did with like plastic sleeves and wrapped you know folded oh really paper. you had to actually put the record into oh, yeah. the paper thing yeah yeah we did that and sat in his living room and like you said chris it was that feeling of holding an actual record you know that was you that was the you know because until that time it wasn't like today where you can record something yourself and the world can hear it tomorrow mm-hmm. it's 
it was something that was just like your heroes. It was you're on the same playing field now. It's like I've got a record just like my Iron Maiden record. Well, but the thing is too, like you mentioned the heroes, and you mentioned in the documentary about how back in those days, fanzines and sending tapes right. out and stuff, and that's that's how Lars got Metallica around we were, back in the day. And we you were, were at the, magazines with him, yeah, the yeah. exact yeah. same time frame. I yeah. mean, you're talking 1981, 82. Yeah. They could have seen Siren next to who the fuck is Metallica. Yeah. You know what does that mean, right? <laughs> No, absolutely, because because that yeah, I remember we definitely the same time frame. Yeah. We have the fanzines with us with those bands, you know, in them. Yeah. That made us feel even better. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's the thing. Because and you're exactly right. That was what we did once we had the the single. Then Doug and I said, "All right, now." And props again to Nasty Ronnie of Nasty Savage. Got to give him because he they were kind of like always a couple steps ahead they were they were on metal blade records right. like i said you could get their record in winnipeg and this is before this is before they were signed so oh, gotcha this was 84 but again they were on that that next level but ronnie was never the kind to be selfish with this stuff it wasn't like i got this list of fanzines and my contacts i'm not going to share them he literally gave me his handwritten list a handwritten copy of all his fanzine content. Yeah, he was very cool. He did the same thing for me. Did he? Yeah, yeah with, with mm -hmm. Tom Copra. Okay. Mm -hmm. What was your band called? I'm Atomic Opera. Atomic Opera. Yeah. So you were in another band in the yeah. same scene. Yeah, though. I exactly. think we played gigs with Siren back then. Yeah, I think yeah. there was at least one. Yeah. 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 Gotta love that Atomic Opera, oh, yeah. Siren, Scimitar. <laughs> yeah. How, how oh, rock and roll are we, right? Yeah. And so it took that list, and uh, once we had the record put out you know, together a little bio sheet and literally just started flinging the packages through the mail. Everything was old school. You couldn't just, you know, email something over. So you're going to the post office and sending it to all across the state. You send it to overseas. Overseas. Absolutely. Germany. Everywhere. South it, America. So if you had yeah. like, you know, Schwarzkopf records in Hamburg, Germany, you'd send them yeah. a copy. And the, and the fanzines. Like, because that gotcha. was, we really, there wasn't even, we really didn't approach many labels because it was kind of like, oh, the fanzines. it was the fanzines yeah, was, and just trying yeah. to get them. And what was amazing and, and, even though holding the record was a thrill, that was the first big thrill, I think it was equaled, if not passed, by getting an actual magazine like Ardshock, you mm -hmm. know, over there in, in, I think, Denmark, back. And there's your picture, you know, that we had yeah, taken some that, and loved yeah. some Well, then it was the underground radio stations, too, that were That's playing right. us. And we were getting on their playlist up yep. there with, the, you know, an, like you said, Anthrax mm -hmm. and... Metallica, the, yeah. all the big bands. All the early days of metal. Right. Right. And there was yeah. Siren. It was like, wow. And out of New York, Monty Connor, right? He had a radio yep. show. Yeah. That was Monty like Connor's radio yeah. show, wasn't yeah, it? played on that. Monty ended up being the, the president of Roadrunner yeah. Records yeah. for many years. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. Matter of fact, I reconnected with him not too long ago, just, you know, through the internet. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, I, of course I remember you guys. And he sent me some playlists from back in the day and it shows there's siren you know, like i said there's metallica it's like man you know just it was crazy so you're sending this stuff around are you getting some buzz going yeah. on are people responding you mentioned obviously you're getting the, the, the airplay and you're in the fanzines but are, are people writing you letters back type thing or absolutely there was lots of them yeah from all around the world all around the world yeah and it was and that was the thing that was also amazing i remember doug in at your place you had a big world map on the Put wall. the little pins with the flags in it everywhere <laughs> where we got some response or sold, some of the countries something. that like you know they got some responses from we're all, all the way into saudi arabia and uh russia i mean i yeah. mean that was like the first it's getting around when russia lots of germany yeah. lots of uh england was was strong let's say never never antarctica but i think greenland and iceland <laughs> 
apnea and the states because fanzines were this thing a big thing in the states too you, you were doing everything right that's exactly yeah. how you built we're hitting the scene. half a dozen countries down in south america yeah. too we're on the uh, several radio shows in brazil and it was it was amazing to hear somebody talking in a foreign language and say the name of right. your band and then hear them play it on the radio it was like whoa yeah mm. because we'd get a cassette back you know oh, a month proof, yeah. a month later two months later that was the the interview you know, with us, and you can hear it's like, oh, Siren, Metro Mercenary. And then you'd hear us saying, hey, this is Siren from Brandon, Florida, and, you know, playing the song. And Trying it was, to sound super heavy. Oh, we're Siren from Brandon, Florida. <laughs> I remember some of the radio things we did like that where we'd send back dances because, like, I listened to them now. I was like, what was that? This is Eddie Bourne. I was like, what is <laughs> like, Who am I? Why is I? Everyone was heavy back then. Yeah, Laura's always had a good one of, like, you, you'd try and look as tough as you could, and you always said the holding the, the ham sandwich picture where you would do this. <laughs> <laughs> Have your hands apart. Like, you got a big ham sandwich in your hand. Yeah. Let's talk about how and when things started to go bad for Siren back in the early 80s. But we'll do that after I tell you that my new custom variety box of Magic Spoon arrived. And I got to tell you, I tried the cinnamon. Tastes really great. I still think blueberry is my favorite, but the cinnamon is very close. If you haven't already, I gave it a try. Take advantage of building your own custom Magic Spoon box. You can choose the flavors you want in your pack and can pick from the best-selling cocoa, fruity, frosted blueberry peanut butter and cinnamon if you want to do a whole box of just blueberry you can do that too or maybe you want two blueberry a cinnamon and a frosted that's fine do whatever you want it's your combination you can do it at magicspoon.com slash jericho and remember magic spoon is zero sugar 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs per serving it's keto friendly gluten-free grain-free soy-free gmo-free low carb and most importantly it tastes freaking great honestly so go to magicspoon.com slash jericho to build your own custom variety box and be sure to use my promo code Jericho at checkout to get free shipping and Magic Spoon is so confident that you'll like their product as much as I do that they back it with a 100% happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll refund your money no questions asked but you're going to love it you got to give it a try have a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal to start your day just go to magicspoon.com slash Jericho use the promo code Jericho for free shipping we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring Talk is Jericho and for being the breakfast of La Champion. So you got some good steam, you got some good buzz, and then kind of where did where did things start going bad for you? Um, well, they didn't go bad yet. We were actually still, the train was still rolling because we did that first demo. And then I guess it was by... After six months, seven months in that demo, when we started getting that feedback, we were like, all right, we've got more music that, that we want to put out. So we did another demo, which was the Iron Coffins demo. That was a four song cassette. Now we did go with the cassette because it was just like, let's get this thing, get this thing so out. It's a lot easier and, yeah. and quicker. Right. right. Same studio, same, you know, $15 an hour, eight track studio and did four songs, one of which uh, was the song Over the Rainbow, which became a fan favorite somehow. It's, it's kind of the culmination of the movie is Over the Rainbow. Yeah, yeah, Over the Years. Very unique song uh, that guitarist Rob Phillips had done by integrating guitar hammer-ons, like as people might be familiar with, with you know, the late Eddie And Van in Halen. three, four time, too, which is kind of unusual. Yeah. Right. What I love about it, too, is Doug's very uh, theatrical, and for this song, I'm assuming it's about Wizard of Oz. He wears the witch's hat, he's got the broom in his hand, and it's like... <laughs> I like that shit. It's a very Bruce Dickinson. For no apparent reason, I'm just going to grab a broom for this one song. <laughs> and then the next song, I'm going to you know, put some, uh, some uh, uh, plastic wrap down on the floor. <laughs> like you did at Jericho Fest. Like, what's he going to do? Is he going to dump, <laughs> oh, no. dump a pail of blood all over my stage? 
but, I, I wanted to. I, wanted to do, I was just afraid somebody was going to slip and fall. Yeah, I was on that later that night. Then it was going to be on my head. So I'm going to tone it down a little bit. But so basically, with kept going with with Iron Coffin, same thing, doing the fanzines, doing that, as is the case in in bands in general. The inevitable lineup changes, you mm-hmm. know, uh, occurred. You know, for us, it wasn't like Spinal Tap had their revolving door drummers. For us, it was bass players. Join the club. Yeah. Welcome to Fozzie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so after, um, you know, Iron Coffins also was received very, very well, especially in Germany. It really, really started to pick up steam. Oddly it, enough. Yeah, because the song Iron Coffins, Rob Phillips was a, a huge uh, history buff, mm. especially when it comes to World War II. And Germany, he's kind of, I guess, of German descent. And so he said to me, he's like, you know, hey, can you write some lyrics about the subs in World War II? They oh, call, used to call I get it. Iron, Iron Coffins. Coffins. There you go. So I wrote the song is just about, you know, submarines in World War II. And the cassette went out. Everything was good. Lots of good response. But after, I think, six months of that, Rob ended up leaving and Ed House is the bass player. So we almost did a full lineup like a hockey line change on the band. Mm. Um, That's what happens though when you start with, you know, guys, Jimmy quit, Jody got married and everyone (laughs) thought we'd get that far type thing. And and it's hard to find guys that want to do it like for real. And, you know, even though we were young and didn't have a lot of responsibilities, we still had to make, you know, live, Mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of times it was like, okay, well, I got to work. I can't play. You know, I, I had left the band myself uh, for a time because I was in my senior in high school. It's like, dudes, I can't play at a bottle club till three in the morning and then go to school at seven. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, but after, you know, coming back. So bottom line, lineup changes. And we got uh, a couple new guys in the band, uh, Faxon Cots. Yeah, yeah but what, tell, let's get to the point oh, of, of how things break up here. Oh, OK, well, this is so anyway. We had the Dead of Night demo. Mm. Which was our third demo, strongest demo, I think, of material-wise. We had really hit a good, good stride, and we just weren't going anywhere. It didn't seem like you know we were we were going anywhere. Uh, nothing was going on. So that's when uh, you know I had was in school at the time in college, and uh, Faxon wanted to leave for California. So I'm like, all right, well, and we ended up just splitting, you know, the band because like nothing was going on. But in there, in between. Iron Coffins and that split was the Dead of Night demo. Right. Right. Which also yeah. so, slid so, in so there. So finally, you know, like you said, things happen, guys go their separate ways, and then, yeah. then Doug continues on for a little bit longer with Siren, but you basically right. are, are, are finished. What I'm trying to get at is, as we're talking about this documentary, yeah. is you basically at this point, you know, never play drums again. You say it right. and you, you, when, when Siren broke down for you, you couldn't do it any longer. Doug continues on, same thing happens, and then that's it. Yep. Until, like I yeah. said, then, you know, in that time frame, <laughs> you're blessed with meeting Chris Jericho to have no idea about any of this stuff, which right. makes me feel like a terrible friend. But you never really to- <laughs> talked about it a lot. Well, that's because it wasn't a thing. It was right. like it was like, you know, maybe in passing sometime we had talked about, you know, you and I talked about, yeah, I was in a band back in the day like you were. And it's like, OK. And at that point in time, especially you know, in these ensuing 20 years, 25 years, Siren wasn't a thing. It was just something I did back when I was 20 years yeah. old. Until and what happened to change that? Until 2015, late, late 2015, I started getting Facebook messages uh, from people. And it was it was very strange how it happened. Just randomly over the course of about a month, at least five or six people messaged me on Facebook because I'm the only Ed Aborn on Facebook. So mm-hmm. it's easy to find They're like, hey, are you Ed Aborn, the drummer from the band Siren? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was me. 
and like, oh, it's cool. I mean, listen, I've been a fan for 30 years, and you know, I would love to, you know, find out more about the band. Do you have any old stuff? Do you have anything that's still available? And uh, with this many people reaching out over the course of, uh, like I said, such a small period of time, I'm like, you know what? I'm an IT nerd now. That's what I do for a living. I can type fast. I'm just going to write down my entire history. Well, what was it that that kind of you mentioned? You got a bunch of emails, all yeah. kind of 2015. Were you not getting any in 2010 no. or no, 2000? No, no. So just was it just a twist of fate where this all came and happened at once? At once, Unex- unexplicably, inexplicably, it was just in literally. I think in the month of December of 2015, and it was different countries: a guy from South America, a guy from Germany, a guy from Russia unbeknownst to each other with no mm-hmm. other things they just said hey is this you i hadn't done anything posted anything that's so strange it. yeah like just, all at the same time if it was a random one or two yeah, but then i'd answer them but since they did it at the same time i'm like i'm just going to write down my memory of the band for my just for fun so i did it over the course of a couple of days and end up being like 30 pages mm. by the time I, I finished i'm like okay and during that time too i was having fun so i was reaching out to people who were in the band back in the day like uh, our comments from different Al people Dunn, right, right. right and other people and yeah you know, i wrote it out and everything but the only person i couldn't reach was you doug, was doug. yeah was doug yeah i couldn't find you and I was hiding <laughs> yeah because yeah, doug maintains a very low profile social media wise and so i mean i tried old email addresses i tried old phone numbers that i had but just couldn't couldn't find him so anyway finished this up put a bunch of pictures into it into this document which ended up being this book you know this accidental book and uh, it turns out when I said, okay, to my friends, here you go. This is my early memories of Siren. Here's the book where you can check it out. You'll probably see yourself in there. And a mutual friend of Doug and I said, hey, I'm still in contact with Doug. And you want me to send this to him? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So he did. And Doug, you know, eventually got it and read it and reached out to me, texted me. And we met up at a Chick-fil-A, I remember, and, and had lunch. And, and it's the first time in like 30 oh, odd years with yeah, with yeah. some animosity between you kind of thing. Yeah, because yeah, there was some stuff, as you sure. said, in the movie that went down as question marks. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> you even say that the band ended as a question mark in 1984 or five. Right. So 30, 30 years later, you guys meet at the Chick-fil-A and reestablish your friendship, which is the most important thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and you know. So were you upset with Ed, Doug? Not really. Not really? No. It's been a lot of years. I didn't necessarily agree with everything he wrote in the little siren book, but, you know, I mean, everybody right. looks at it from through You can see his eyes. point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. It's all just, It wasn't you know, like we were no. arch enemies during no. all that time. Maybe that makes for a better story, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. we just didn't. It know, happens. I, I know I saw you at a couple concerts in passing, yeah. but that yeah, was about it. Year. Right. But it had been at least 15 Obviously, years. Obviously, like the same bands, and it'd right. be hard to avoid you forever. Right. Not that I was trying to, but. Right. But yeah. So, so, so you guys kind of reestablished your relationship. Right. And then what's and then it got crazy. Right. And this is where I was like, come on. Yeah. Right. No way. So, so once Doug and I started talking, one of the fans that had reached out from Germany is a, a man named uh, Frank Hernshaw. Frank Headbanger. That's Frank Headbanger. And he is the ultimate siren fan. I mean, he made his own siren back patch for his vest back in the 80s. Uh, got everything he could. He was just a huge, huge fan and a nice guy. He reached out to me, and like I said, it was one of those emails. So we had become, you know, email friends. And I said, hey, man, check this out. You know, I know, you know I sent you the, the book, but Doug and I are actually talking again. We're, you know, kind of, it's we're, we're cool. It's, it's cool. And he's like, oh, that's so good. He goes, I'm going to reach out because I'm going to talk to Oliver from uh, Keep It True. I've asked him for years to have Siren 
And Keep It True is a big festival over there. There's, right. there, there's many festivals in Germany, but this is a, a, a very uh, respected one. one. Yeah. And they you know? specialize in bands that have either have not been together in a while or just hard to get together, mm-hmm. you know, because the fans, but the fans have want them. And I said, well, cool, but, you know, that's, that's fine. You can reach out to him, but I don't know what's going to go on. We don't have a band. So he did. And strange enough, then we heard from Oliver Weinsheimer from Keep It True, who was like, hey, I hear you and Doug are talking. Would you like to play Keep It True? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, this is a quick thing. It's funny because there's a, there's a great line in the movie where uh, Frank Headbanger goes, if, if I could see Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden or Doc, I would choose Doc. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, who the fuck is Doc? Oh, it's Doug. <laughs> but I, how did that make you feel? Like, because once again, and I'm not saying this in, in, in a bad way, but you guys had this dream and then you go become, you know, quote unquote, normal people with normal jobs, and normal yeah, lives. When you hear something like that, Doug, of somebody who says that they think you're better than Bruce Dickinson and are so pledged to your band, does that blow your mind of hearing it this? Did. I took off from work early, and oddly enough, I was working the Iron Maiden concert. So I, I came and met Frank on my break because he did want to see me instead of Bruce Dickinson. Wow. Yeah, that just totally blew my mind. He had flown yeah. over. He was over in Florida. Gotcha. You know, and, and he's like, oh, can I meet Doug? I'm like, well, Doug's working the Iron Maiden concert tonight. <laughs> and that happens to you too, Ed, quite a bit throughout the documentary where you'll meet fans. There's a couple fans on there who just yeah. freak out. Siren is fucking forever or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you're one of the most humble guys in the world. He, he gets kind of nervous when people come and ask me for an autograph. Oh, yeah. Ed has <laughs> this little loud. Like, <laughs> 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 and that's when they're talking to me. So how is that for you being such a, a humble? You're one of those rare guys. We say this in the movie. That no one has anything bad to say about, maybe at certain points in time, but everyone loves Ed. Mm-hmm. How is that for you when people come up to you and, and, and say, like, we love your band and you're so great or whatever they were saying? Well, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's cool. You know, just, it's, you don't know how to handle it other than saying thank you, you know, so much. Mm-hmm. And and our experience being over in Germany, as I'm sure we'll talk about, was just mind-blowing because, you know, here we have people who were teenagers back when we were teenagers or, or you know, 20 coming up and saying, I've been a fan of your music. I would listen to it over and over. And it's like, man, that is so crazy to think that here we are in Brandon, Florida, and we you know, made this the record. And there are people with us on their record players just enjoying it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like Frank, Frank was one of, those, one of those people and just played that pivotal role in bringing us to the attention of the festival right and, and the thing is this it's, it's cool is, is like you said you get the get the gig and once again there's there's a great story of how guys are coming to the band but you call todd who who's been involved with you for years yeah uh todd's even he's one of the christmas helves and, and yes, father yes, christmas right. yeah, you and, and yeah both you guys so you put together this band and and like i said we don't have to get into the minutiae yeah. but, but you got hal in there who's been there for a while yeah. and you got now greg original. who just becomes like the he was the, the standout <laughs> character yeah. in the movie yeah. As, as we'll see. So you guys start practicing and jamming and getting ready for this. Um, and here's where I wanted to kind of start my involvement in this. So Ed says exactly what he just told me. Right, you're not going to believe this. And and I'm like, I, I didn't believe it. Right? I'm like, come on. Like, this doesn't happen. Like, you don't, you don't like not play for 30 years and then suddenly find out that you have a fan base in Germany who is putting you on this big festival and you're not opening the bill like it's it's right. uh, you see it, it it's it's flotsam yeah, and jetsam it's yeah. raven it's grim reaper it's siren there's four or five bands underneath you so you guys have a fan base and i was like that's impossible so either one of two things are well, you asked me well listen saying? you said dude listen i don't mean to be rude 
but is anyone going to care? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, that's the same thing I asked the promoter. I said, I asked Oliver. And then my other point was, okay, this is going to go one of two ways. One, it's going to be a complete shit show. It's going to be a total bomb. And that's something that I want to see. <laughs> or it's going to go great. And it's going to be the greatest feel-good story ever. Yeah. And that's something I want to see. Yeah. So I want to, I want to film this. I want to put together a film crew and document this because we had just started working with Nathan Mowry who did the Judas video and yeah. all burn me out and nowhere to run and all those ones. So I said, what do you think about this? And Nathan was super into it. So let's talk about how you guys were approached. Okay. A, you put the band back together. B, you get a festival. Actually, reverse Lars. You got a, you got a, a place on a record before you had a band in Metallica. You guys got a place on a festival without having a band. So you put together the band, you get a festival, and now you want it. Someone wants to be, be uh, document this as a documentarian. Is that was that a lot for all of you guys to 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 you know swallow at the same time? It was for me at first, but just the fact that Ed was involved and Ed came over and talked to me and he says, "Look, man, I think we can do this." And if it had been anybody else, I'd have been, man, that just smells like a disaster. Right. But I knew me and Ed, if he was in, I was in. So. Yeah, and Doug and I, when we were putting the band together, that's, you know, we first reached out to a couple of the original guitarists because with Keep It True, they really want to keep things as original as possible. Keep It True, yeah. Right. And so we did that. And Rob wasn't available. Our guitarist, Faxon, was in California. He wasn't going to work. So I said, so uh, the first thing was, let's get Hal. Hal Dunn, original founding guitarist. And then I said, listen, Doug, if we're going to do this, I don't want to step on stage unless I know we have someone so rock solid as a guitar player that we know will be comfortable. A ringer, yeah. Yeah, and that's why Todd, who had been in bands with Hal, Tom McCarp, who Hal was in Tom McCarp. And I could have been in Siren back in the day, yeah, but uh, you guys just never asked me back then. We had standards. <laughs> and also, you never stopped playing your, your oh, guitar yeah. teacher. Went different different weight routes right. like that Y yeah. in the road, but we're so, still so close. How was that for you, for you Doug? Because like Ed said earlier, you're kind of uh, under the ground, under the radar. Now you're going to be you know exposed to the world, so to speak, with these cameras in your face and playing a festival at the same time. And you're the lead singer, which... Yeah. I am as well, so there's a different different set of rules that we have to live by when you're doing these things. I don't know. There's a lot of other circumstances going on building up to that, that building up to that that's made me. I was excited. I was ready to come out and be out there. Mm. You know, there's a lot. It just seemed like everything was falling into place perfectly. Yeah. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy decision to make. We had at least three calls when it was even. I don't know if we're going to do this. Do the festival. Do the documentary. Do the festival. Festival. This was the even to even start because it was there was you know, like you said. It, it'd be a great story if the wheels came off, but we'd be the one in the car. With yeah, the and I didn't, I didn't off, want so. that. But I was like, I was like, I've been in a band for twenty years. It just doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> but it, but this time it did work that way. You yeah. know, yeah. and it seems too, Doug, Doug. You're very kind of a. I don't know if it's spiritual, but there's a, a great scene in the movie where you said you hmm. you came out of your garage and there were some birds there squawking at you, and you said that can't be anything but a, but a good sign. Why Why did that seem like a good sign to you with the birds? I don't know. It just seemed odd. They were just coming all around me. They were up in my inside my garage, and they were all over the ground. And uh, I don't know. This was the it looked like they were just show. looking at me, you trying to tell me something. It seemed like a good omen. Yeah, it did seem like a good omen. All right. When we looked for our new home, my family and I imagined ourselves in every space. Do we want to relax in that backyard? Can I use that shower every day? We wanted to know that the house fit us as a family. But there's more to it than that. Getting a mortgage is a necessary part of the home buying process for many, but it doesn't have to be a hassle. Rocket Mortgage gives you the tools you need to understand all the options and purchase with certainty. Rocket Mortgage built a home loan experience designed for you 
with certainty at every step and no unwanted surprises. You can relax knowing you're getting a home loan that fits your life. With industry-leading technology, Rocket Mortgage not only offers 24-7 access to your loan info, but also tools, information, and expertise to help your offer compete in a crowded market. You're on the go. They get it. That's why Rocket Mortgage makes the home loan process happen on your schedule. Plus, they offer a paperless approval process that you can complete right on your phone. Visit rocketmortgage.com slash Jericho, because when you need a mortgage that fits your life, Rocket can. Call for cost information and conditions, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. So then we, we then you guys put together a, a warm-up show right. at the Brass right. Mug where Nasty you and I Savage saw... and Oblivion. Yeah, yeah. we saw Saxon there last year, which <laughs> is great. But it was Nasty Savage Oblivion, which is kind of a Tampa reunion for this scene. Yes. And that's your literally your first gig uh, together in 30 yes. odd years yeah so tell us about that night it was incredible and well and you'll see in the documentary people traveled from what was the guy from chile oh, yeah uh, yeah or, or like holland holland yeah. Yeah. to come see the show because nasty savage and siren and oblivion were coming back together you know and playing that was just a just mind somebody flew from holland yeah. That's crazy yeah to brandon yep. to watch you guys play and it's funny too because when we were putting together the documentary nathan at first had uh had the guy say, yeah, I came all this way from Holland. And, and then later on, he speaks Dutch. I'm like, reverse it. Have him speaking Dutch first. Like, well, who the f*** is this guy? <laughs> what is he doing here? Exactly. You know? And that was one thing that was cool for me because Nathan kind of put it together. But then I kind of really put together the edits of some of these really great moments. Like, there's a great line where it's like Dead of Night is kind of the music that plays that ties everything together. Right. It's kind of always the... Uh, the, the 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 bumper the traveling da, da, da. and there's a great point where you, where you guys are walking down this old street in germany it's tough heavy metal leather london <laughs> leather boys dead of night da, 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 stops ring 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 yeah. <laughs> ring, ring, ring guys yeah. on his little bicycle trying to get, yeah. get out of the way yeah. but th there's a lot of those type of edits which was really added to the humor because there's a lot of humor sure? in this oh too. absolutely because yeah. it's another thing that i was thinking okay great you guys obviously and you guys really are a great band you got great material and like the one guy says, there, there's there's so many bands that sound like Iron Maiden, but no one sounds like Siren. <laughs> I sound like Pat Patterson there. <laughs> but but to, to kind of have like the humor, another thing that I thought is almost mm -hmm. a fish out of water type thing where you got a bunch of guys oh, in their 50s yep. now going through the airports and great scene, Todd, of you and Hal trying right. to figure out instagram no, i'm still working on that snapchat <laughs> you know and, and, and what's a filter and i have no yeah, idea like it's just great comedy because now yes you guys are musicians and yes you have the band but now you got to go travel through the airport which is something that you hadn't done you right. said you hadn't been no, on a plane since 9 11. that's right that's right but it was a lot of fun we enjoyed it yeah, yeah. and and you're definitely right it was definitely fish out of water because traveling internationally traveling to a show it's like what this what's going to be what kind of gear how do we get our gear you right know, that kind who's of who's going to get us around right. there's a scene where you can't seem to find uh you know the 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 shuttle to take you to the to the to the, <laughs> right. to the gig the venue. but but then there's there's like we said he, he's not here because of course greg is, is uh, uh still at home yeah uh social distancing which seems perfect for him yes <laughs> he would not have come out because the one of the underlying oh. themes of the movie like I said, this guy that just pops out nowhere is 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 where's Greg? Yeah, because Greg disappears a lot. Yes, he does, uh, and seems like just the sweetest guy. 
very excited to be invited back in the band but another guy that's probably not quite used to traveling because there's a great scene right at the beginning of the tampa airport he disappears to go look at a clock yeah i would <laughs> legitimately i legitimately almost lost him before we got on the first flight yeah, i mean never, he walked up while yeah. the flight was boarding you know and we were all at the airport already i was like where the f did he go <laughs> and and because his wife told me says please do not do lose not lose him you know, Greg in you know keep please. an eye on him <laughs> And yeah, and you'll see in the movie. I mean, but I won't lose him in Germany, but I might lose him in Tampa. <laughs> You're right, exactly. And yeah, and and Greg is Greg is the sweetest guy. He really, you know, after seeing, I mean, I, we knew this, you know, but he just wears his heart on his sleeve. He's mm. just a very what you see. He's is a what great you character get. for the for the movie. He is, he really and that, is. but that's who he is. And you know, you can see his emotions in the movie when, when especially you know, at the festival, when it comes real for him and what it means for him in his life you know it just it chokes him up it's just, mm -hmm. it's amazing and yeah, he, he uh and all of you guys i mean jumping around and all this sort of stuff there's a there's a great scene right at the end and, and once again when 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 we'll talk about all this when you guys do play the gig and it does come true there is literally yeah. i don't know five thousand people there and they're chanting siren and they're yeah. singing you know over the rainbow and yeah. uh you know all of your songs and the end happens and you guys turn around and do your typical, you know, crowd bow, get the crowd behind you shot. And there's this look in, in your eyes where you guys are now, I'd say 15 year old kids. It goes right. even beyond 18. Like, right. like just seeing like you guys are smiling and Hal's got this look on his face. Like, I don't know what Hal does for a living, but he just seems another guy's like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Like, I just can't believe it. And you take this great picture that ends up on Todd's gram. I love it. On so the gram. we still got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but that, and that's the point of this movie. Like, that's the, the, the we're trying to think, okay, what's it called? Because uh, I said, look, I, it has to be called I'm Too Old for This Shit. Because I said to Nathan, before you guys even filmed anything, right. I said, at some point, somebody is going to say I'm too old for this shit. And you say it twice, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Un, oh yeah, un, yeah unprompted un prompted yeah and to see kind of the heavy metal fairy tale some dreams never die and at the end of that night mm -hmm. it happened and whether it was just for one weekend and we know that it's not it happened yeah. and that to me is like it's it's a lot like like the anvil movie uh it's completely different but but the end of anvil when they go to on stage in japan those are those people like it's mm -hmm. it's a great moment mm -hmm. and i don't care if you are a musician or a pharmacist or a you know, a, a dog trainer or whatever, you're going to feel something from this movie, which is why it, I'm so glad that we made it because it really, really does have this great storybook ending. Yeah, no, I agree. And and you're exactly right about the feeling that we had on stage. I was the, you know, 13-year-old boy listening to Kiss on my headphones, learning how to play drums along with that, you know, when I was standing there. And actually, I made it a point while I was playing, like as we were preparing for this, to mentally tell myself, Listen, when you're in that moment, stop for a second and realize where you're at and that this is exactly what you had dreamt about when you were in the garage, like with Siren, you know, or in the warehouse or playing drums in the backyard in my first band. And I did. As I sat there playing, just was mentally like, you're here. Yeah. You, are, you are living this. What yeah. you are seeing, you are seeing people singing back to you lyrics that you wrote in high school social studies class. It's happening. You know, my moment was uh, when we came off stage, I walked right past uh, the lead singer for Grim Reaper. Steve, Steve, Steve Grimmett. Yeah. And he's like, nice set, man. And I'm like, damn, man. I can imagine myself 15 listening to yeah. See You in see Hell, you, you know, and just friends. thinking how yeah. amazing it was. That was my moment. Really yeah. cool guys. We shared a dressing room with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. They were super cool. What was, what was one of the things? Yeah, yeah you, what was for you that stands out, Doug, where you're like, 
like Todd just said, what was your moment of the night? My moment of that night? I don't know. I guess, like you said, in in that picture, in that shot, it's like, even before that, when everybody was singing over the rainbow, when I looked down there at the end of the song, mm. and they're all going, no place, no yeah, place. No and I know place. I know it goes into that in the movie, but I mean, that's exactly what I was seeing. I was just going down the line, looking at people's mouths open, yeah. saying, no place, no place. I was like, no way. Right. <laughs> they're, the really, they're really doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were just so cool. Almost all of them. I was the new guy, but they knew who I was, mm-hmm. you know? And it was just, everybody there was just amazing. There wasn't a... I didn't see a fight. I didn't see no. anything. It was, just, it was wonderful. You know, and, and like you said too, it's it's you guys were tight. You, you really could tell that you took it seriously. You didn't phone it in. But but I also just love the fact too that like there is fans there that feel the same way that you guys do. We yeah. talked about Frank Headbanger. There's a couple of the guys. There's people that we don't even see anywhere else except for in the crowd at the end. They're they've been waiting to see Siren, and that's yeah. what I just love about about rock and roll. You know, and at, Paul McCartney said this at a concert years ago. He said, "I'm just gonna take a second and just." I used to have this saying in WWE, drink it in, man. That came from Paul McCartney. He said, I'm just going to stand here for a second and drink it in. Exactly. This is Paul at 75 after playing for 50 years, 60 years, still wants to take a second to enjoy the crowd. And you always have to do that because it's easy. I'm glad you guys said that you had those memories because it's easy to do this show and be so intent and so right. worried about it. So, and you forget by. about the actual show. Right. And you're just like, what, that, what happened? Yeah. I feel like I was you know, in a daze, but yeah. that's why I was like. You're living in the moment. Yes, there. exactly. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about what you did leading up to the festival in Germany. But before we do, I gotta say thanks to everyone who's commented on my hair recently. I'll tell you why it's been looking extra shiny and healthy and luxurious. Uh, thanks to Hawthorne. Hawthorne is a premium tailored personal care brand that's making it super easy for guys to feel and smell their best. And it all starts with the Hawthorne quiz. It asks you things like, "What's your favorite drink? How do you like to spend a night out? Bar, club, home, hanging with friends?" It asks how long your hair is. How you feel about sweat? Come on, we're guys. We love sweat, right? What kind of a personality are you? Introvert, extrovert? It's actually a fun quiz to take. Only took me about a minute. And then Hawthorne looked at all my answers and used them to recommend a bunch of products just for me. Uh, Hawthorne suggests that I order the clarifying shampoo and moisturizing conditioner for my hair, the hydrating bar soap or body wash for my skin, and the fresh and aquatic cologne. The shampoo and conditioner are great. You guys know I don't use extra products in my hair. I don't add any special treatments. I just wash it when I shower. That's it. Let it dry naturally. So like I just mentioned, that's why my hair has been looking so good on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights. And if you want to upgrade your self-care routine, Hawthorne is a fun and convenient way to get super high-quality products tailored specifically to your needs. And Hawthorne gives you free shipping on your orders and returns. So if you don't like your products, you can return them and you can have them retailered for you based on your feedback. Pretty cool. So do what I did and take the Hawthorne quiz today and get started on your personalized self-care routine by going to hawthorne.co and use the promo code Jericho to get 10% off your first powder juice. That's hawthorne.co. Use the promo code Jericho. Hawthorne.co. Use the promo code Jericho and get luxurious silky hair, just like me. So talking more about kind of leading up to the show, it seems like you guys had a couple days beforehand to kind of acclimate yourselves and kind of see some yeah. of the areas of Germany because you've been to Germany before. You came yeah. with Fozzie right. before. Yeah. Um, had you guys ever been to Europe? No, I'd never been into Europe at all. I'd, I'd been a few times. Yeah. I went over there to record the first right. album and the right. second album and then I played in a German band for like six or seven years called Mekong Delta. So oh, I'd actually went them. over to record their songs and tour with them. So gotcha. So you've been I'd, a bunch. 
I was amazed how many people remembered me from that that came through the autograph line before we put. We were almost late to our yeah. stage call because people just kept coming through that's the line. That's right. That's something that's it, there's a little little bit of it in the finished film, but we our autograph we had an autograph you know session beforehand where people come through. It was packed. It was like we did the full hour and there was still people. And that's something again, like talking about living in the moment, signing autographs. I mean, I'm a you know fifty something year old software engineer signing autographs in <laughs> in Germany is like. Who does that happen to? Yeah. yeah. And, and I know that, the other guys felt that way. And that's, like I said, I keep saying it again, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't. And that's why mm -hmm. this is such a great a great movie. I'm, I'm selling it because I produced it. But still, it, it's like dreams never die. Right. You know, it reminds me a lot of, of, of Dr. Luther in AEW. He's the mm -hmm. same age as you and got his first national wrestling contract after 30 years on the job. Just didn't work out and finally gets it and deserved right. it and is killing it because of it. But there, most people would give up. Right. And would say, "Oh, come on, whatever." Yeah, because no it, it doesn't happen. I mean, the the, yeah. the analogy I use is like, "Okay, you were a high school baseball player, and you know it was great, and it was a, it was the glory days of your life playing in the high school team, you know." But you get out, you don't make it, you know. You're not don't get even get to the minor leagues or anything. It just life goes on. You become an accountant. You got kids, and then all of a sudden the Yankees call you up, you know, out of the blue and say, "Hey, we need you to pitch an inning <laughs> in you know this game in Yankee Stadium." You know, can you come do that? It's like. It doesn't happen, and that's and, the same. And and everybody in the uh, everybody in the stands wants to see you. Do right, that. that's the right because they, they they watched your high school baseball game from nineteen nine right. you know eighty three. Like what? Right, because yeah, that's the thing. Somebody's got to care. You mm. know, if somebody yeah. doesn't really are not interested in what you're doing. It, I don't care how great you are; it just doesn't matter. Especially in that, say, Rich Ward has a great point in the movie where he talks about just how we, we, actually we both do how intense. Uh, heavy metal fans, especially German oh, heavy yeah. metal fans, are. Oh. This is not a joke. No. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I even mentioned it. And I, I talk about what they wear, and they, we see exactly. It's the leather with the with the jean jacket, cut off sleeves, yeah. with the patches, and the leather pants, and the boots, and the heavy fucking metal, and the, and the not just long hair. Like like we have long. These right. guys have hair like crystal, <laughs> like Crystal Gale long yeah. hair. It's yeah. past their ass, and that's just how it is. Yeah. You know, and if they don't think that this is real. You're not going to get that respect, right. but they they were waiting for. And these are yeah. 18, 25 year old kids as well. Yeah, all the, yeah, from young to old, and in its life for them, this isn't a fad. It's not a it's not a fashion, and it's yeah. genuine. It's genuine. yeah, it's a yeah. lifestyle, and they and they love it. But as Doug mentioned in the to, in the in the in the documentary, absolutely like stepping in a time machine. Yeah. Because, because yeah. like a time machine, yeah. <laughs> and everybody says that too. Yeah. Because it was, it was legitimately like being transported to 1984. Well, you had a great line too, Doug. You said it's not just I love the 80s; it's right. I love this little <laughs> section of the 80s. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, and that's what kind of you know those because we've played those type of festivals and we've had you know uh, very lukewarm reactions at times. We're like, ah, who the f are these guys? We don't care. But that was not the case for you guys. And like I said. Like this is not Richmond. This is not Alice Cooper up there, or you know, the darkness is, is coming to town, or what. This is freaking Raven, and it's Flotsam and Jetsam, right. and Flotsam and Jetsam is on top, and the place is sold out. Yeah. And they love Flotsam and Jetsam because they've got thirty-five years of experience. And Jason Newstead came from there, and you better f be heavy metal, or we're not even going to give you the time of day. Yeah, yeah, you know? and that—that's exactly how it was. Did you guys like when you got there? Were fans picking you up? Was that the festival that arranged all of that? That was actually going back to the linchpin in this story, Frank Headbanger, because we were going over for just for this show. So we had arranged for him. He invited us to come over several days early. 
so we could do some sightseeing, enjoy the country. So we were picked up by uh, Frank's wife, Claudia, at the airport and, you know, shuttled back and went out and hung out. And they just gave us the tour, you know, went to see some a great little town called, I think, Bad Vimpfen. Uh, took us on a walking tour with a guide, you know, to see yeah, all these historical. Yeah, they were really nice. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Great Greg, food. Greg climbs the castle wall and yeah. almost jumps out the window. <laughs> no, <he did. laughs> and then Heidelberg went to, or Heidelberry, as yeah. Greg calls it. <laughs> um, and here's, a, here's something that happened. I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's captured in the film. I'm glad it was captured because I couldn't believe it. There are two times of things that happened in this movie, which you can see happen as they happen. One, when Doug and I were walking down a street in Brandon together. That's in, unbelievable. In front of the band's old house. That's a right. guy drives up in a truck and says, <laughs> you guys in Siren? We're like, <laughs> like it's 1984. That's a, yeah. you know? <laughs> that looks like such a plant. Oh, it does. Yeah. It's, like, it was, like it I, when you What Ed's saying is they're at their old band house, right. which anybody that was in a band back in the day, a band house, a.k.a. a garden <laughs> shed that you could barely fit your shit in. And we'd be basically yeah. standing side by side. And if it was summertime you're dying. And if it's wintertime, you're dying. And there's no... <laughs> so they're outside of, of their shed right. and they're standing there talking and a pickup truck in freaking <laughs> Val Rico or yeah, the hell you guys yeah. were. And some dude is like, are you guys from Siren? Because I yeah. think... Yeah, one of a siren shirt, shirt yeah. or something, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and he was a fan from back in the day, and that was totally a thousand totally, percent totally legit. That's legit. crazy. But here's the other thing that happened that was also legit, which was crazy. We're in Heidelberry, and <laughs> we're, we're walking through the uh, tourist, you know, in this in this square, and some tourist little stands and picking up some some uh, souvenirs, and we hear somebody speaking, you know, fluent English, and we're like, oh hey, you know, and, and she came up to us, say, you guys from America, and we said, yeah, we are. We're you know a band. We're here to do a show, and she says, that's really cool. Where are you from? He said, Florida. Oh, we're from Florida too. Where are you from? Valrico. It's like <laughs> what? It turns out these people live literally a mile. That's insane. From from where we are, and again, there were so many little points along the way of this whole story. Some small town in Germany from some small town in in, yeah, in, in Florida. Meet in you know at the same yeah. place. And the same thing happens, as you see, there have been so many points along the way in, in what happened to us along this movie, which thankfully Nathan caught for the for the documentary, where stuff happened that was just incredible, from the emails coming to me, to us getting back together, to getting the show. We had one of the, ori the original bass player, Ed Hauser, was going to be playing with us, and we had practiced with him for yeah. several months, and then he ended up uh, having to step aside yeah, yeah, because yeah. of uh, his physical, yeah, yeah, his back from years of service in the military. And coincidentally, literally, from I hadn't spoken to him in 12 years because I'd called him. left him a message 14 him a message. years ago. Yeah, to, to Greg? Yeah, to yeah, Greg. <laughs> yeah, to call me and say, hey, call me. Literally, it had been 12 or 14 years. And he calls me out of the blue a month before Ed Hauser had to step aside and said, hey, man, how you doing? And I'm like, Ooh, who's this? He goes, hey, it's Greg. I know it's been a minute. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, I go, you're not going to believe what where I'm at right now, what I'm doing, because you and Hal were working on songs, right. Todd. And uh, at their at your school, and uh, I said, "This is what's going on. We have the chance to play this festival." And Greg was like, "Oh man, that's so awesome! I'm so happy for you guys." And then it was, you know, uh, I think two months later, a month later, I, we had I went over to Greg's house, say, "Listen, yeah. you know, By the way, Ed's not going to yeah. be able to make it. You know, is there any chance you can do this?" And those kind of things you know and it's funny too because like he Crazy. says and you believe this he was just excited that siren was he back was. he was legitimately not even happy. like no the, the agenda to try and be in the no, band or whatever and suddenly he's in and it's like i said too like there's going to be things that happen but thankfully nothing really bad happened but there was enough of those moments like like i said something is going to go wrong 
great segue. Right. Here's what mm-hmm. happened with Ed Hauser. Yep. Later on, something else happens, and now Doug can't find his passport, <laughs> which is another great, like, how in the hell? Come on, man. Now, uh, I use that line to this day. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You said ma- that when I came to Jericho Fest. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. Dude, I sat with you guys for hours before yeah. you even knew who I was because I edited this thing and and like and, and we were so into it. Like it's like writing a book. Yeah. Should this be and or but? And you sit there for an hour and but. Okay, it's yeah. but. That's got to be end. And that's what editing a movie is like. And and, and I'm not with Nathan to sit there. There's still, when I watched it back just yesterday, it's a great piece of film. There's still a couple little things that I would fix. But that the, that scene with the it doesn't make any sense. Kind of explain explain what kind of happened oh. on that. How and many you, people were there in that moment? Oh, Eight, the whole, nine yeah, people. The whole band, we passed uh, that jacket around to everybody, and everybody went through oh, it. And we all I was did, not yeah. in so there. You can't, and this yeah. van is oh, jam packed. Your, your oh. guitar is on the top, and you're like, <laughs> I thought for sure, like you said, when they slammed that door, all oh, his stock headstock's yeah, gonna break or something. Correct. So you guys are jammed oh, in this jammed. van, and yeah. before you're gonna go, you can't find your passport. Yeah, like everyone yeah. had their passports. And I'm not gonna go home. Yet, yet, I'm gonna be stuck here. Doesn't make any sense. It didn't. How long did it take for you to find your passport? It was 15, good. 20 minutes at least. Yeah, because we it's, it's a long un- sequence. We had to a good half van. hour. Yeah, maybe longer. Unpack yeah. the van, look in bags, look under yeah. the van. My favorite is Doug. Freak. I was freaking out. Doug is when you're like, you start, you go into conspiracy mode. You're like, <laughs> you're like maybe somebody walked by and, and, somebody... and picked it up. We're like, Doug, there's nobody here. But That's when Ed just looks <laughs> right in the camera. He's like, give me a break. <laughs> and Frank's like, maybe someone goes to the toilet. Did you go to the toilet? <laughs> so, the moral of the story is yeah. this passport is in your leather jacket which you guys check 15 times in the it, it's inside the lining the Some, lining. somehow from the pocket to the sleeve sliding out somehow when yeah. i put it back on that's the later old, on that's the old school of the jacket you said it looks great on the outside inside's always the shit so you put something in your pocket i mean <laughs> the lighter all the time yeah. the lighter <laughs> ends up down bottom. here right? yep. you never get that's out exactly again. what it was. <laughs> it was who ended up finding it i did, yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. i think somehow it, it from everybody handled and it had slipped down into the sleeve <laughs> and there was another hole in the lining i guess where your hand is and when I went to put it on, it like ended up coming out my hand. I was like, "No way!" <laughs> yeah. Everybody looked at and this jacket. My favorite house, like yep, nothing up my sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Just a passport. It's yeah. funny because our drummer Frank, uh, that happens to him at least once a tour. He'll lose his passport, and it's same reaction. You know, like dude, come on. Yeah. Every time, I don't know where I live. It's like it's in his bunk or it's in right. his drum bag or whatever. So, like I said, just give me your passport. <laughs> I am going to hold this passport for the next three weeks. Yeah. You don't. You're not allowed to touch it anymore. So there, but I knew I had it. Right. I knew I, it, it, I saw it. I physically, yeah. I, it's got to be here. <laughs> Unless someone just drove by and took it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wanted you guys to tell us about your experience at the festival after you played your set, which was very well received. We'll get into that after I share a message from our friends at Steven Singer Jewelers. I let the most hated jeweler in America help you say, I love you. You've heard me talk all about Steven Singer's famous gold dip roses. You've heard all about Krista, the beautiful engagement ring that uh, Stephen is boasting. What you might not know is that Stephen Singer has actually been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. So whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Stephen is there for you. Are you ready to take the next step in your relationship? Stephen has a ready-for-love engagement ring collection that is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked and ready to go. So don't worry, Stephen is not going to let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over 20 years. He's recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He's got real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, emails, 
all with extended hours. And on top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business today with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online as well. And that's just the beginning. Gifts that say, I love you every single day, back with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Get fast and free shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Go check it out now. We ended the movie at the right spot for the way that the story was told. What happened after the, you know, you guys get the picture for Todd's Graham, mm-hmm. which is great. Tell us about afterwards. Was was there uh, an after party? Was there just getting the hell out of there? Did you get a chance to talk to the fans after? Did you get a chance we to We had a fight it? and broke up immediately. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, it was, um, yeah, what we did, we, we actually, we played, it's a two-day festival. So we played on the first day, you know, uh, as they're in the early evening. And so we got to spend the next day of the festival just completely enjoying the festival, yeah, which was great. taking photos, oh. hanging out with people, drinking beer. It was yeah. great. People that saw you the day yeah. before. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, actually, yeah. The, the night before the festival started, there was like a oh. pre-party. Yeah. yeah. It was going on right right about when we drove in. And that one oh. guy is yelling about Siren. Siren. Yeah. That was when we were first pulling yeah. in in the van. Stephen Bernard. You didn't know that guy at all. No, not he was all, just no. there. He's helping you with merch, and yep. he's, well, there was one point where I was like, "Dude, we, we got to edit this guy." He's just saying, "Siren is the best." I feel like a child at Christmas, and it's like <laughs> Nathan. It's five minutes. We get it. He loves <laughs> Siren. Edit him out. <laughs> right. No, but it was great because that passion, and you see it. Even yeah. what was left in the movie. That's his name is is Stefan Bernard. Great guy, and he was one of those guys like Frank, who but we had never met. Yeah, who was a fan from back in the day, and was so excited. That we got to be there. To, yeah. that he totally could, sincere. Yeah, totally he's a real sincere. guy. Oh, yeah. 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 And we left, tr- trust me, we, yeah. we, we captured him perfectly. He, and that's what I love. And like I said, when you said the next day, Todd, that you get to go to the festival and have some beers, like, that's part of the, the, the fringe benefits of being in a rock and roll band. Yeah. You guys deserve to have... That, that's an ego boost, but it's, sure. a, it's a camaraderie. Like, yeah. you guys, we're all the same. We're just people that love music. And it doesn't matter who you talk to, whether it's us right here talking, whether you talk to Lars. I spoke to him the other night about watching YouTube till 4 in the morning. He's like, I'm right there with you. We're all just fans. So when you get other people that appreciate what you did, yeah, that means a lot. That yeah. means more than, than you know, extra 100 Deutschmarks or whatever. Oh, it really does. You know, playing music is great. I've done it all my life. But like I said earlier, if nobody really cares, or, you know, does it really matter? That's right. right. So it really is important. Yeah. And one thing that was, and I know it's, it's in the capture of the movie too, is that surprised us completely. Because there were, like I said, we were mid-card, you know, on one of the, the two days. And there was some big, like who, mentioned who, flotsam. Who was on the other date, you recall? Uh, I think the, a band reunited Raven, he, right? Heavy Load. Yeah. Heavy load. heavy load from Sweden had Demon come back together. Was one yeah, of the headlines. There was there were several. Uh, you but know, these bands man. mean a lot. Like yeah, the guys these said, are band the, the, bands, like, like for me, the the ones that I saw on your day at Flotsam, I've got five of their records. Yeah, and Raven was one of my favorite yeah. bands when I was a teenager. And of course, Grim Reaper. In Germany, these bands still pull and draw and make money. But the difference is, they're there every summer. Right. Yeah. You guys, exactly. first time in thirty years, so continue. So yeah, so anyway, we had we had our merchandise there again. We which was you know a shirt and and a you know and our uh, we part of this experience was too was that when it was announced that we were going to play, we were reached contacted by a couple of independent labels that say, hey, we want to release an anthology, and that blew my mind too. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, <laughs> an anthology of and your music. And this ain't some little chintzy thing. It's no. like a three disc thing. There's three posters vinyl set with a replica of our initial single that's underground power records put that out patches and stickers and shirts and toques and condoms and ice cream bars (laughs) yeah it's quick coffin (laughs) um 
but yeah, it, it was so we it was that was incredible to have that these sets which sold out. That's what we found out the for the people the labels who were there, you know, who produced these Storm Spell and Underground Power. Our CDs, the double CD sold out, the triple album sold out, and then our merchandise basically sold out. We found out when we settled up at the end of the festival that we had the highest grossing sales of any of the bands. That's I mean, amazing. that's yeah, it was it was thousands. That's amazing. It is. It was like, why? why? I'm sure that you know, was us. the majority of, of your payoff was that most oh, yeah. merch. That that was our payoff. Our yeah. payoff. We didn't get paid to go to the festival. Oh, okay, we got. Our transportation and lodging was covered. Wow. So they covered, that's yes, rare. which is big. A lot of times big. they'll just pay you, you know, 5,000 Deutschmarks all in, and you guys got to get your own. You realize, by the way, that Euro has Euro has been in, in place now for God. several <laughs> <laughs> I went to Hamburg in 93, and I never forgot. <laughs> but yeah. We're talking about 80s heavy metal. It's a f***ing Deutschmark. So, so you're, yeah, so but but the yeah. point is usually they'll pay you Euros, and then you got you to gotta go Work it out. search for flights, right? Yeah, no, they, they took care of everything. Even we had to switch at the last minute you know with greg and ed wow to to That's do that classy so, yeah. so, the, so the merch money was your was, was your pay money yeah exactly and we were just blown away i mean our you know our as todd is modeling you know today That's our that. our shirts are basically the black a black shirt with a white siren logo we're not talking high you know high end because <laughs> we have to buy here, we have guys. to pay for them yeah. yeah we have to buy the merch there's a great another great a guy on the movie who's like uh I had to lose 10 kilos to fit in oh, this shirt. Ogre. And it's still black. Ogre, yeah. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point. It's black. It fits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, ogre guy. It's a great guy. And um, so, yeah, that, as you mentioned, at the end, so that was one of the highlights at the end for us of the whole festival experience was finding out that, wow, this is, they actually, not only did they care that we're there, they showed it, you know, with, with, their, with their support. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, and then pretty much, you know, after that, it was quiet. I know we went back and hung out with some people, you know, and gotcha. Greg. So we left the night that night. We had to get to the airport very early. The shuttle was going to pick us up at like four, yeah. I think, four a.m. And I was sharing a room with Greg in the good funny side story yeah. in the movie about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's like, dude, I'm going to go out and have a cigarette. This was around <laughs> two. And I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'll be hanging. We decided not to. And we sleep. never saw him ever yeah. again. <laughs> and, and literally, he just does, he, he comes back like ten minutes before we're supposed to catch this shuttle. And I didn't find out until the movie when he was doing the follow up interview that apparently, you know, at two in the morning he had found a cat wandering around this little town <laughs> and decided to follow the cat through the town. Oh. I'm like, dude, what are you, you're in a foreign country. We're leaving in an hour and a half. Exactly. You know, on a, uh, you're still a foreigner with long hair. <laughs> yeah. You but know, apparently you're in Germany. He had this moment with this cat, and, and the cat gave him a good tour of. of he said he's going to go back and find that cat someday. <laughs> That's what he says. Yeah. He does love his cats. Yeah. So, um, all of a sudden, done very mm-hmm. successful. We can see that in the movie. It was a great Obviously, show. we edited it that way, but it, because it was there to be edited. That was that it. Had, we can't get it crowd chance. It was pretty real. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and we really focused in on that. And, and the best part is it's, you, there's, there's two parts. There's one that says, you know, you were the highest merch of the day. Mm-hmm. And of course, the very end siren is currently working on a new record. Yep. Now, 2020 could be a, com- a complete wash due to, you know, no live gigs because right. of COVID, et cetera. Was there, is there plans to do more shows? Uh, is there is is there a lot of interest? As Todd said, do more people care now? Uh, yeah, yeah. We actually were supposed to play a show this past summer in Germany, another the Headbangers Open Air, but COVID. So right. you know that was. Have that you was... heard about that COVID? <laughs> heard about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few things here and there. 
And so is that one of those things where they yeah. just moved it to 2021, or is it just to strike it out and try? From and- what we've understand, they're moved to 2021. We haven't gotten any kind of confirmation, gotcha. you know, on that yet. But uh, but yeah, as as it did say in the album, we had so much fun. The experience, because remember, we had to work for six months ahead of this time to work up the the music and get everything back together. We had so much time, fun time making the music together. We're like, after we did the show, we're like, listen, let's do an album. Let's do that full album. So we did. We spent 2019 recording uh, a new album, Back from the Dead, and uh, it, we released it ourselves in April of, of 2020, and it's uh, been incredibly well received hmm. uh, and it's still so it's it's basically still new we haven't really started promotion of it just because of everything that's going on played played some of those tunes on uh yes. on rock of jericho and sirius yeah. xm that's right yeah thank you and it was yes, we're thank you we're very you know very happy and happy with the kind of plug the website just to tell where people can go to absolutely find out. okay yeah if you want to find out more you can reach us at uh just www.sirenband.us do you really have to say www anymore you don't no, but I don't think so. I do because that's what I do. So you're, you're getting on me for that saying Deutschmarks. And you're giving me www. <laughs> Go out to the internet at <laughs> www. Period. Can you connect to AOL? <laughs> Put in your CD. Hey, I want AOL. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, we'll plug that afterwards yes. as well too. But but those, uh, just as we start to wind down here, uh, I did show that movie to a couple of my friends mm-hmm. over the last little while. Now that it's actually out, so two of the guys that have seen it and have commented. One was Mike Portnoy. Uh, who wow. watched it months ago? Dude, yeah, and tell us about that reaction. Yeah, that was crazy because he he reached out to me on Facebook because he saw I was wearing a Dream Theater hat in mm-hmm. one of the one of the shots. I was wearing a Dream Theater hat, and he reached out and said, you know, hey, just want to let you know I watched the movie. I thought it was great. You know, you know, love that you're supporting. It's like, dude, you're amazing. I'm like, it's crazy. And that you met Mike before at Dream Theater show. Yeah, through you. Yeah, you know, yeah, as as a guest, but briefly. And but so it's crazy. That's the kind of thing where. It, it just blows my mind that people who I consider musical mm-hmm. heroes are seeing some aspect of my story and my band story. It's like, why would Mike Portnoy ever, you know, right. know, you know, it just know shows that. you how powerful a movie like this can be. Yeah. When we played at Jericho Fest, Eric Martin, who is one of right. my favorite singers of all time, he came up to me and goes, oh, Mr. Tornado of Blood. I know you <laughs> freaked me out, man. That is just the most amazing feeling. Yeah. Well, and I just sent the movie to to Charlie Benanti from Anthrax. And just the thing that's cool to me is these guys actually take the time to watch it. Yeah, that's very you cool. Know, and if it Charlie said I liked it, I felt Ed the Drummer was the heart of the movie. Uh, was that it? For of the, course. Of no. course. <laughs> was that it for them to play the festival? I said, no, they're doing more. He said, made me think of so many bands from that time that either got shitty deals or the members split. But this one ended up on a good note. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. So, that's, that you know, that sums that's it up. The yeah. guy who's been in the, you know, he was sending fanzines at that point in time. Exactly. So is that cool for you guys? You know, like, okay, the Anthrax has seen it. You know, it's important amazing. Dream Theaters watched amazing. it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, like, there was a moment when I found out, like, Wolf Hoffman of Accept and Andy Sneap, who is the guitarist in Judas Priest right now, watched it together. Wow. And I'm like, all right, the two of the biggest bands who are influences back in the day right. just watched the movie, our movie about Siren together. <laughs> You know, Wolf loved it and Andy hated it. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, does it get good response? Oh from yeah, them? they both loved it. They, you know, because Wolf, you know, Wolf had seen it and then he liked it so much he wanted to show Andy. Yeah, they're recording the new Accept album. 
Well, once again, much like my favorite documentaries, there is so much more than just about the the situation and the subject that it's about. Like King of Kong, we've watched a great right. movie about video games. Doesn't matter if like video games or not. American movie, great video about about the dream of making a film. It's because it's relatable. It's relatable, you know. And I've I've seen a lot of those types of movies, and I feel that that siren, you know, I'm too old for this shit, fits right in there. Like we said, you can watch this no matter what your vocation is and right. whether you. It's not like we're showing a 90-minute siren concert. There's no, bits of the music all. to show what you guys sound like, but that's almost secondary to the story of this dream that 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 did come true and is still coming true. Yeah, very much so. It's about it's definitely about the story. It's not and it's it's not a movie about siren. The siren's not in the title, you know, it's mm. it is le- legitimately about what it says that some dreams never die. Even when you don't know you had the dream, even when you set that dream aside so long ago that you forgot about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it sneak, you know, sneaks up on you. Right. So, and that's exactly And it, it makes you want more. Yeah, it, 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 it <laughs> makes yeah. you want to do more. It's yeah. fun. And we realize that, you know, we're we're all very you know, realistic about what the music business is like now and the fact that we're in our 50s and everything's changed. But just having the opportunity to do this once, you know, I've got, you know, like you said, that triple vinyl album in a big shadow box framed on my wall. It's like, who has that? Mm-hmm. You know, who has a documentary made about it? Uh, exactly. No, no, it's really- <laughs> and get to live that experience yeah. and have a caption. Thank you, by the way. I know I've told Absolutely. you before, yep. yeah. but thank you for, you know, having the insight and the belief that it would be a worthwhile story to tell because we just had to live it. So. Well, and it was, and here's the thing too. Like I said, like now that it's up on iTunes, to me that that's 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 like such a huge reward. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I got a, a mix of one of the new Fozzie songs, and the very next email was the the word that Siren was now up on iTunes, which was a little bit of a surprise to us. But it was a great one-two punch of emails. And now that that it exists in the world, because you we can make this great documentary, and if nobody can watch it, who gives a shit, right? right? But now it's up for people to see, and and. and we're going to continue to do the most we can with it. But to me, obviously, I'd love to win an Academy Award. <laughs> but if 100 people see it, if 1,000 people see it, it's something that, that, that it's, it's, a, it's a document, literally, to this really great story of how dreams can and do come true no matter how old you are. It's like the best home movie we could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and people have told me, you know, just – friends and family that even though you know they know me or they know several of us that it actually it made them cry mm. you know it, it just reached them something resonated yeah. it's so much emotionally in them from the story that uh it's just you know i think it's a good movie yeah just, my wife my wife cried she's not a heavy right. metal and right. obviously she knows you but doug what are your thoughts after you watch the movie was it nerve-wracking to see it for the first time and kind of like, how, how's it going to be? Yeah, it was kind of weird, you know? I mean, I had no idea what to expect, but I, w- I was amazed. It turned, mm. I thought I think it turned out great. But what's the line that Hal says in the movie? He says, this, there's no way this is going to happen. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. Oh, this is going to happen. Yeah. It's definitely going <laughs> to happen. Deep down yeah. in my mind, I thought, I think it's going to happen. They're going to ask me to join. You yeah. know? Did you guys have a big viewing party together when you showed yeah. it to the guys? Were yeah. you nervous yeah. too, Ed? Yeah, to show it to the guys. I was nervous the the first time I saw it too, just to be like, okay, you know, what do I look like? You know, how do I sound? How does this story? Does it look like a good story? And it was. So yeah, when it brought everybody together and watched it, we actually really enjoyed it. It was cool. I think we all kind of felt the same, the same sensation of being disrelieved initially that it's good, and then you can start enjoying it. Right, and enjoying it from almost a third person perspective. Like we see, trying to see it not as ourselves, but somebody else that never saw it. They didn't live it would see it so it's kind of being like an outside your body experience mm-hmm. a little bit but 
Definitely. It was, it was definitely cool. And I love the guy who played me. He's great. <laughs> Much better looking. But, uh, <laughs> not as good of a guitar player, though. Actually, his guitar playing on screen was terrible. <laughs> it's funny, too, uh, uh, before I ask the last question, uh, seeing you on there, Ed, because you have lost a lot of yeah. weight. And when you see Ed, it's like, wow, I forget, you forget, like, oh, my gosh, you have lost a lot of weight. Yeah, that's that's one of the positives of 2020. I decided to just, you know, get my health in shape since I, I didn't really have any other health problems other than my weight. But yeah, I've lost 90 pounds. So looking at myself wow. in that movie, when I look at myself, it's like, oh my God, what's that bowling ball on my neck? You know. <laughs> Last question. What's your favorite scene from the documentary, if you had to pick one? And I'll, I'll, I'll choose. Yeah, okay. For me, there's a twofold. I love Hal and, and Todd at the airport discussing what is Instagram <laughs> and, and what is Snapchat and, and just filters, stay away from that. And I have no idea. That's a great comedic moment. And then that end shot of, of the guys' mm. hands in the air with the crowd behind them with the look of amazement. We did it. Yeah. We did it, you yeah. know? That, Doug, what's your favorite moment? That, that's one of mine, too, where we're standing there with our backs to the crowd and the, and the shot at the end of the show. But, I mean, uh, wow. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of great moments, not mm. just that. I know the one where uh, I lost my passport. That's not my favorite. <laughs> You it's know, one of mine. I just finally pieced, is it really? Oh, I, love it. I just pieced together Iron Coffins being a submarine. This is the part where you start quoting Yellow Submarine. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? There's a man who sailed the seas in a submarine. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's why I left it in there. Like, I don't know what tangent he's on, but he's on his own trip. I love it. But now I understand. <laughs> Todd. Well, it would probably be for me as a musician. Just when we're playing on stage, mm. that great audience that was totally into it. You know, I got to play a rock star for a day, and I had a lot of fun. That's a crazy part in Over yeah. the Mountain, too. You have to play that the whole time. Yeah, to tap it on. took me about six months. My forearms, forearms like are huge eyes. now. Yeah, it's not just a little bit of an eruption. Non-stop. It's the whole five-minute. Just the fact that you caught that part about the yellow submarine, that makes it worthwhile. Dude, I spent so much time with this movie. I know everything like the back of my hand. I could probably tell you shot by shot what it is in my head. I think for me, I mean, obviously the comedic side was was, was great, um, but cleaning I, the kitty litter. So, yeah, I know. I'm immortalized now as scooping a cat box. You're the kitty litter guy. My dog, my dog's pooping in the front yard. It's like Nathan. What's what's the theme you're going for here? My animals shit all over the place. Um, but I think for me, my one of the favorite parts because I it it gets the emotion in me. I can feel it again. Is when I was talking to that fan you mentioned, Stefan, and he was talking about how much it meant to him and and i could because i was there and i could feel his emotion and that made me it choked me up you know oh, yeah. being there and it uh, that it's kind of captured in the film and i i think on a similar level the part that i really just gets me is greg when he was in the field yeah. alone and it and he starts it, to well up doesn't he? he starts to well up because it this is something he it's a gift he had never expected and i think right. that's the way we all feel yeah, sure. this is like a present that we never thought we would get, but we got to open it, and it was just the best present ever. And you and can't now, make that stuff up. Yeah, it just no. keeps on giving. Too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and now everybody can see it. The world can see exactly. it. Exactly. Hopefully, when we get back to doing shows, uh, you guys will be playing, yeah. and we'll have to That'd do. Uh, we we did a viewing of the of the documentary of the Jericho Cruise. Maybe for the fourth one, you guys have to play it. Uh, yeah, that'd be amazing. That, that would go. be insane. Yeah, yeah, I don't to, know if I can afford to, you guys. But. <laughs> You'll have you talk to our agent. You might know him. <laughs> it's Mark you? Willis. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I, I got to see if he'll take us on. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Chris.